Welcome to Crossing Over, a conversation where we look and listen with curiosity for God's presence in the stories of sacred scripture and in our own lives. I'm Sarah Nichols. And I'm Daniel Lucas. Good morning. Morning. I like your vest this morning, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. $20 on the old Amazon. <laughs> this looks so professional. I, it has pockets. <laughs> it does. Three, See, three pockets. It's not just girls that appreciate a pocket. Mm-mm. Pockets are, well, I, I have pocket problems. <laughs> My phone is so scratched up, and I just accumulate things it, like wrappers, receipts. It's it's a problem. Okay. So sorry, but it has pockets. Yeah. I don't know. There we go. My goodness. Uh, okay, you said you took notes. Well, I, I jotted down a few recap notes last week so that... At the beginning, we could... Yeah. I, could chat about what we did last week, so... Um, I, I love that on the back remember. of your computer is a picture of Jesus playing peekaboo, <laughs> saying, I saw that. <laughs> I, I always think of, I know what you did last summer, like, yeah. for whatever reason, that feels... And anyways... Yeah. Okay. Back to the notes. What that says about my personality or, um, I don't know. Uh, So last week we started Exodus and a couple of the, I wanted to highlight a few of the things that we talked about. Um, First was the names and why they're there. um, And the idea that our family matters and who we are and where we come from matters. Um, We also talked about the family healing that happens in Genesis just prior to this, how this is a continuation of that story, and that's a part of why the names are there, too, to connect us to what had just happened, so we do not forget. Um, The ideas along with that were the seeing to the shalom of your brother um, and being our brother's keeper. That that question asked of Cain at the beginning of Genesis is actually, actually, yes, you, yes, you are your brother's keeper in a way. And that when we actually do this, when we do see to the shalom of our brother and we do choose to be our brother's keeper, that we can move to the next step. And for the history of Israel, that means moving from a small family into a bigger community, Mm -hmm. into an actual people group which is what we start seeing in Exodus, that the story (laughs) shifts from being about one family to being about a whole people group. Mm. We talked about the fact that there are 70 souls, but it's not in the plural, so it's um, 70 soul. Um, And and that's not normal. Right. Right. Yeah. They don't normally leave off the plural. Soul isn't always plural. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, in verses 6 through 7, we uh, noted that the children of Israel are finally doing what they were meant to do from the beginning, which was being fruitful and multiplying in the land, mm-hmm. like Genesis uh, 1 in day 5. Um, and so there's this, this way in which already by Exodus we see Scripture repeating itself and finding ourselves back in creation um, over and over again. So, yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's great. Yeah. Um, how far do you want to go today? Oh, we're at we're at, we're at one eight, right? Yeah. There's the how far do we want to go, and then the how far do we actually get question. I mean, we could go through. We could try to go through fourteen. There's That's what I was like, just thinking. A chunk. Yeah, yeah. Because then we could we keep the midwives. Yeah. 
that's a whole thing. Yeah. If we tried to do the midwives yeah, this I mean, week, I would. Well, if we if we get to the midwives this week, we'll probably stay with the midwives next week. So. That's well. That's true. We're not getting there. Yeah, they're a, they're an entire conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I you have Fox out. I love Fox. Will you? Oh, sure. Would you read? Yeah. Now a new king arose over Egypt who had not known Joseph. He said to his people, Here, this people, the children of Israel, is many more and mightier in number than we. Come now, let us use our wits against it, lest it become many more. And then, if war should occur, it too be added to our enemies and make war upon us, or go up away from the land. So they set gang captains over it to afflict it with their burdens. It built storage cities for Pharaoh, Pitom, and Ramses. But as they afflicted it, so did it become many, and so did it burst forth. And they felt dread before the children of Israel. So they, Egypt, made the children of Israel subservient with crushing labor. They embittered their lives with hard servitude in loam and brick and with all kinds of servitude in the field, all their service in which they made them subservient with crushing labor. All right, well, what do you got? Well, I guess for me the first thing that is worth noting is now a new king arose over Egypt, but this king... And he's referred to as king here, pharaoh later, right? but never has a name. Yep. So what's that about? Well, one of my favorite, um, and this is, it's from Sota, it's in the, the Talmud. Um, the comment is, is it a new king or is it a new disposition of the king? Ooh. Because you have the new disposition in here, right? Did not know Joseph. Yeah. And so it's, and, it, and does it matter? Um, well, ultimately, no, it doesn't matter because the same thing happens to the people regardless. But when we're thinking about how does one become an oppressor, how does one forget that they're their brother's keeper, um, I think it's a really important thing to wonder, is this king um, new, lacking the experience, or has something happened to and with them where they're um, they have a disposition change towards towards Joseph because they had good feelings about Joseph in Egypt because mm-hmm. Joseph is why the storehouses were you know built in the first place. Yeah, Joseph saved the people, right? And the prior Pharaoh, or I mean, we know now that it's we don't know precisely <laughs> when they started being enslaved, right? But we know that by the end, by the time Moses. Um, comes into the story, and we have God and Moses letting the people go. That has been roughly four hundred years. Um, where we're at in that story at this point is unclear. Yeah, it's unclear how long this goes on, but some time between Joseph and Moses. Mm-hmm. And so, how how many generations have passed? Is it one? Is it? Four, I don't five, right. ten, right. who knows? But the danger of forgetting our past, forgetting where we come from. Right. It's really interesting that like that second, third, fourth word in here, the new king came into power. It, I mean, and I don't know the, the. I think one of the things that I I love the most about reading scripture, especially in community, is. 
when you do that, all of the all of the layers of conversation become really clear because everybody's seeing, reading something else into it. Right. And that word power, the new king came into power. Is that what is that what Fox in eight? Um, it just says arose. A new king arose. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So then it's it's well, <clears throat> the question for me ends up being like, what does it mean to be? Um, what does it mean to be to come into power, or what does it mean to arise? And you have Joseph who engages in the welfare of the of all of the people, and then you have the Pharaoh here who's or the king with Pharaoh who's doing something different. So what kind? How will you use your power, your influence, what you have? And we see really quickly what he's interested in. So it is in, in Hebrew, it's, and he is rising a new king over Egypt. Okay. Who knew not Joseph. That's like the... Hmm. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, okay. What else here? Sorry. I got... There's something burning in my... <laughs> Go for it. Uh so verse 9, uh, he said to his people, behold the people, uh, it's, and it's the same, it's the same word, uh, um, and uh, amul, uh, amul, which is, well, the people weren't a nation when they got here. They were a family. They weren't, they weren't a nation. Yeah. They've become a nation. Right. Something's happened between verse 1, Exodus 1, 1, and here yeah. that has shifted yeah. who and how how they are. Yeah. And we talked about right that last week. Right. And verse 7 says the, they, uh, the, the children of Israel bore fruit. They swarmed. They became many. They grew mighty in number. Exceedingly, yes, exceedingly the land filled up with them. So, I mean, this is like how many different ways in one verse can you say they were prolific? Right. <laughs> like there's a lot of them now. Right. So, and the fear of Pharaoh that we'll get to eventually is the fear of today. I mean, it's this is the fear that we hear creeping up in all of these conversations about immigration and refugees and all that, which is a fear that those who are coming in will will do some version of harm. Yeah, will be some version of a of a negativity. So Pharaoh's right. Pharaoh's concerns are very much concerns that are popping up today for those who who arise in power mm-hmm. um, and yeah yeah we see we see this all over right yeah <clears throat> that first phrase to you know if you if you break the sentence up right you could read it like he said to the people behold the people of Israel are becoming too numerous and strong for us and we I think it's quick we're quick to skip to what he's pointing out about them mm-hmm. but first I think it's important that we recognize he's he's creating a difference he's creating a separation he's pointing out these people he's saying from he's saying to one group yep. see this other group yeah and and there's a problem attached to them right. for you right i mean it's classic i don't know fear mongering like i don't know what the right exact well, right yeah. word is but it's what this is what people in power do yeah because this is how you get, you, <clears throat> this is how you get people to buy into what you want to do is by othering the other people. If you can other the group, right, and make them not a part of you, 
Whereas, you know, my guess was, sure, there's a lot of these children of Israel wandering around, but they're just other Egyptians. Right. You know, maybe they've kept some of their familial ties and their, you know, whatever, but they're just people living among you. They're just your neighbors. They're just down the street. Right. Now, maybe they, because they all settled in one region, they're... There's more of them in that region than there are native Egyptians. Well, there's 70 but, of them when they first get there. Right. So you know that the assimilation, I mean, it's not like there was an entire culture and you're trying to put like the kingdom of X with the kingdom of Y. Right. So you, like in Joseph's even dressed as an Egyptian. So the this idea that they're at this moment before the Pharaoh does the separating. Right. Yeah, because they don't have a Hebrew identity until the end of this book. This is like, how this it forms. This is how it forms. Right. Yeah. So they and they had an identity as being the sons of Jacob or of sons of Israel, the right. children of Bene Israel, um, and their connection to Joseph, which I'm sure they passed on. Like this is how our brother, your uncle, your great uncle, your great great uncle, <coughs> how they he helped save Egypt and us. Mm-hmm. So that story is probably getting passed along, but it, they're just living next to their neighbors and working their jobs and doing their thing. And probably there's nothing going on between them and their neighbors that makes them other in any kind of way. Yeah, the normal things that go on between neighbors. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the whole, you know, you get along with your neighbors just fine, but online you're vitriolic towards the other side. So, like, if you're... If you're on left leaning, leaning, you make an enemy of the right. If you're right leaning, you make an enemy of the left. And the reality is that you you live next door to people who disagree with you politically and get along with them just fine, right. unless we point out the differences and make you see them and make it seem like it's a really bad deal. I mean, I just I'm just sitting here as you're you're saying all this. I'm like, wow, this was this stories existed for. Thousands of generations. Yeah, this this is a thing that we've always been doing. We've always been struggling with. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean this is this is the exact same thing that happened in the Holocaust. Like this is what Hitler did. Like he convinced all the German people that Israel was their enemy, that the Jews were their enemy. And up until that point, they had all just been living and working next door to each other. They were neighbors. They were friends. They were, there was no difference except some cultural things. And how many different ways do we see this happening and going on in the world? It's interesting to, you know, um, one of the conversations with, with Rabbi Allen, and I think this is a normal, I don't think this is unique to him. I don't know, though. But the idea of seeing the days of creation play out over and over and over yeah. in Scripture. And to me, this feels like what we're, we're seeing is an anti-creation or an unraveling. Because the first thing we see is the Pharaoh's, how the Pharaoh sees. Mm-hmm. So, right, God said, let there be light, and God saw the light. So day one's about light, that like light for seeing, but not physical seeing, spiritual, sacred seeing. Right? Day one doesn't have the stars and the sun and the moon. It's not physical. So here we have Pharaoh um, saying, you know, not not talking about a physical seeing, (laughs) but a notice these people, see these people. But it's the opposite. It's it's like an anti, 
an anti-God seeing. It's an anti-divine seeing. It's an anti-Christ seeing of the people. Right. And so, so he does that. And then what he does is what happens on day two. He 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 makes a separation between them. Yeah. And it's and the way he frames it up, right? He, I mean, this is like textbook. Hey, if there's a war, not they're with us. Who can take us if they're with us? That's not what he says, right? He says, if there's a war, they will turn on us. Which, well, there's an assumption. Yeah. Right. Why why would they? It's such a self-fulfilling prophecy to me. Because it's like, if you you saw to their shalom, if you saw them as brothers, if you saw them as part of your community, they would be with you. But because you chose to enslave them, you only increased the likelihood that they would rise up against you someday because that's what happens. Right. When you oppress a people, they eventually they're going to stand up. Okay, one other thing for me that is, I don't know. I want to know what happened. I want to know what happened for this pharaoh. I want to know if it was a new pharaoh who lit- just was like, didn't know the story. Yeah. So right now we're, so if that's the scenario, and I think it's actually, that's the beauty of the openness of it is, it's all of them. We can pick them all. Mm-hmm. Like the importance of storytelling, the importance of remembering who you are, who they are, who we were. When you stop remembering, this is where stuff like this creeps in. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I, I think that also hints at one of the reasons I think that the, the king, the pharaoh, is unnamed, mm. and even why he's called both a king and a pharaoh, because it doesn't matter. This, this pattern yep. repeats itself over and over and over again throughout history. Yeah. So whether it's a king, whether it's a pharaoh, anyone in power, it, this could be anyone mm. who looks at the other and sees a threat. Well, okay. Before there's actually a threat. Right. But there, there actually is no threat. Right. But you're so concerned with maintaining your power and your position or your, for either yourself or your, uh, your descendants or yep. whatever it is to keep your legacy yeah. that you choose to see other people as other. I mean, they're, they're the very definition here of... A, turning a person into a thing is what happens. Yeah. Yep. They 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 strip their hum, they strip their humanity from them, and they turn them into their their early 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 versions of technology. Right. Just you're you're here to do things for me. Yeah. Okay. My other question with it is like, was it a forgetting? Um, <clears throat> then you brought up the other one, which is the pharaoh wanting to maintain status quo. Yeah. Or is is the new king, does he sense an opportunity to, to increase power and l- surveys the sort of political and the politics of this, the politics of the pharaohs, whether this is the same one, right? Like you'd said earlier, is this immediately after Joseph and then there's generations of oppression or did Joseph's legacy last for a few generations and it's slowly, we don't know. Yeah. But but eventually we're going to see how the pharaohs actually stuck within power too, and when we get into the plague, so sometime next year. 
but right, like, is he seeing this as an opportunity to increase the po- his power, his wealth, the power and wealth of, of, of what he oversees? Get him into the Hall of Fame, as it were. Yeah. We, right? Like, is, yes, I, I think all of them are possible, and all of them are deeply real reasons that we still struggle with today. Yeah. Whether, you know, yeah. Yeah. Wisely. It's the opposite of wisdom. Come let us deal wisely with them. Like, it's not wisdom. Right. It's one of, it's, it's the thing that looks like wisdom in right. the eyes of people. Right. That, I mean, I know we see this in a couple different places in Scripture where it's just like that. what looks like wisdom to the world looks like foolishness in the ways of God. And, but the reality is that that thing that looks foolish right. is actually the wisdom. Um, it looks foolish to lay down your arms in the middle of a war. I imagine, right, I imagine this, you know, an oral telling of this, like the oral, before it's written down, I imagine the ancient form of of air quotes, right? Come, let us deal, and then the storyteller looks at all the kids and everyone around, he goes, wisely. (laughs) Like, we all know this isn't wisdom, right? We all see that this is a very short-sighted plan, even if it works for generations, even if it does create... Mm -hmm. This is a, there's a, I mean, there's a deep loss that comes at the expense of what this Pharaoh does for himself or his children, right? Right. <clears throat> and his entire, the entire nation of Egypt, those who, who choose to remain. Yeah. But we don't need to skip ahead to Exodus 11 and 12. Sorry. Right. Okay. Yeah, it, It reminds me, I mean, we talked just a couple weeks ago when we were doing Proverbs 31 about this whole idea of can you, do you know wisdom when you see it? Can you, do you choose wisdom? How do you live with and among wisdom? And, and so much of how we operate and live alongside wisdom, our relationship with wisdom has to do with how we see. Mm. And we see from the very beginning here with the, the king, the pharaoh, is living from a place of fear and assuming that anything other than you is out to get you. Um, which, by the way, uh, I mean, we see that in Jesus' story. and we, We've hinted at how much Jesus' story reflects the Exodus story. But, oh, yeah. But Herod, I mean, I'm so scared and so insecure as a king that I'm going to kill a bunch of babies. Right. Like that says way more about the the king, the pharaoh, in the situation, the leader, mm-hmm. than it says about the people. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and you see this like I have a note written down. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I love studying the the parsha, the, the the cycle yeah. every year. So I've got these I've got these commentaries um, or uh, humashes of, of Rashi. So it has like the text, but then it has all Rashi, this French. Rabbi from the 11th, 12th century, all of his comments. And my understanding is this is who the children learn 
scripture from. They learned it from Rashi. Yeah. Rashi's comments are where they start for learning how to yeah. interpret and read, right? And so I, I don't know, four years, five years? <laughs> I don't know, four years, five years? I've been working through this and I have all these notes and I have this, this I would have forgotten this. Uh, what's the king's concern? If the king can forget Joseph, then Joseph can forget the king. Sure. Right? Like he is putting on Joseph's people, the, he putting on this people what's yeah. true of him, not what's true of them. Yeah. Right? Like, boy, do we, boy, is that how we live. Yeah. Right? And like an unhealed heart sees the world this way. Right. Classic projection. Right. For, right. Yeah. There's the, there's the psychological term, right? And boom. It's, it's, you know, he forgets Joseph. He doesn't know Joseph. And so he, you know, assumes Joseph won't know him. That's just ridiculous. And then Second Chronicles 12, 1, uh, you know, because what happens here is, right, he pitches this idea. And when the, and this is, um, right, Egypt isn't always in Egypt. Or narrowness isn't always in when the rule of Rehoboam, who was just a stand-up king, not. He's who split the, Rehoboam is who split the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when the rule of Rehoboam was established and he grew strong, he abandoned the law of the Lord, he and all Israel with him. Right. As the heart of the king goes, so too goes the heart of the people. Right. Well, that's the job of the king is to make sure the people know the Torah. To guard their hearts. Yep. To keep them in the way of life. What was that uh, reference again? Chronicles, First Chronicles? Uh, second, oh, second, second Chronicles 12.1, yeah. Yeah. I think talking about that projection that the Pharaoh was doing here too, just... He's afraid that they'll do this, that they'll rise up against him, because that's what he would do right. if he were there in their right. position. Right. Yeah. And it is what they do. So, right? So, like, right. you could get to the... If this is... If we can just smush all of the pharaohs into one consciousness, right? you could see the, the pharaoh that says, behold the people of Israel, at the end of the whole thing goes, I told you! Right, as in, in Exodus 3, when they're leaving with all the yeah. stuff, he's like, I was right. His, his reality, there's a way for him to read his reality that affirms and says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's a completely insane way to read it because it, it lacks any self-awareness and any right. accountability or responsibility for the situation that you created that brought it up, the self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. But we never do that. Right. Right. Uh, it's the difference between, right, you can see things accurately. You can see an actual picture, but you cannot see things well. You cannot see things with with the eyes. You cannot see things sacredly or right. to see the other as, as human with you, along with you. Right. And you can fail. Yep. Shall we? Sure. I don't know you. What do you, you got yeah. more there? No. Nope. Pharaoh sucks. <laughs> yeah. And like the Pharaoh and me sucks. Yeah. Like where am I Pharaohing in life is just one of those questions where the moment you think you're not. Yeah. Because we always think we're the good guys. <laughs> yeah. I, um, well, we'll get to this more later when we get 
probably next week when we get into the women of the story. Um, like you said, it's so easy for us to read this, and we always want to put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites, of yeah. the children of Israel, and or the good guys in the story, the ones that are being oppressed. And the, but, man, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm a white woman living in America. I am not... <laughs> I am not like right. the children of Israel in this story. So can can I actually put myself in the shoes of other characters in this and realize who I actually am in the story? Yeah. And that doesn't mean some people that are listening may be the children of Israel in the yeah. story. That might be their, their reality. I, I actually really remember when it finally dawned on me that who I was in this story. Who are you? I'm Pharaoh's daughter. Oh. <laughs> so we'll get we'll get to that later because um but that's that's who I see myself as in the story now when I look back at it. Pulling life from death. Well, we'll we'll get there. We're, oh, we're jumping on. ahead. It's no, we get fun. I know, okay, but fine, fine. Save the no, fun no. for another day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay but one thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh and we'll get here too, but all of the plagues, the, f- the first three plagues happened to everybody. Yeah. So while, actually, I think this is this is this is important. This isn't just me. Come on. While, while they're definitely being separated here by Pharaoh into two groups, they're all Egyptians. Yeah. They're they every single. The, forget about who your mother and your father are, your DNA, all of that stuff. They are, they are living Egyptian lives within Egyptian society with Egyptian cravings, needs, desires, assumptions about what they should get, want to have, right? Like this is who they've been formed. They all, ima- I'm a, they all imagine themselves one or two steps above where they are on the social ladder. Right. And, <clears throat> and then the question of the plagues are, will you wake up and leave? Will you wake up and see how Egypt is killing you? And I love that you're Pharaoh's daughter. That is... Oh, sh- okay. Okay. We're, you're in charge. Drop. Why am I in charge? Because okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to skip ahead to Pharaoh's daughter. Okay. To Bithia. Um, I'm behaving. That's okay. The, okay, if we, we're staying in verse 10 for now, but... Okay. So, Use our wits against us. Let us become many more. So they, a, he doesn't want them to keep multiplying and being like getting bigger than they already are. Um, so that because then, if there's war, they might be added to our enemies and make war upon us, or they might leave the land. Yeah. So like he, he sees two possibilities. Neither of which are the most likely possibility at this moment. <laughs> I would think the most likely possibility at this moment is that if there's war against you, they fight alongside you because they see themselves as Egyptians. They are, this is their home. They're going to defend their home. Right. They're going to defend themselves. And they're unlikely to go up and leave the land. And if there's so many of them, why, why would that be a problem? Why would you be scared of them going up and leaving the land? Like it seems like you don't want them there, so maybe that would be the best thing is to for them to just up and leave. Just, kick, kick them out. Yeah, I just find that fascinating that that's the second reason. Like mm-hmm. they're either going to make war on us or they're going to leave. Well, okay, and then the language gives a little. The word gives a little bit of the word games you get to play with Hebrew. 
give some insight into it because the word for war yeah. is literally, like if you pull it apart, it's from bread. Yeah. Milchama. Yeah. The root word for war is bread. Right. Lechem. So this is what we war about. This is yeah. what we fight about. We fight about resources. Right. Right. We fight um, not, we don't concern ourselves with our daily bread, but that, that which comes from God to us. But we concern ourselves with storehouses and power and the ability to live a, above and beyond. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that um, what do you have? They'll go up from us? Go up away from the land? Yeah, so it's uh, Aliyah or Allah. So it's the, like, the, it's the, it's the ascent. It's the same okay. thing that, that the people do. Um, when they go up to worship to the temple, when they when they make yeah. when they ascend, and it's actually the thing they do. They they go up. They want to let my people go into the wilderness to to, to worship. worship. Yeah. So yeah. all of this is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then, moving on to verse eleven. So they set up gang captains over it to afflict it. And so it is the children of Israel. <laughs> right. Um, they set gang captains over the, over it to afflict it with their burdens. Um, it built storage cities for Pharaoh and then names Pitom and Ramses. Hmm. Another word, taskmasters mas- or gang captains. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which oh that's wow okay so I just I just followed that word a little bit so the root word for that for what for the taskmasters or captains is um, masa you're in, a, you're in eleven yeah in yeah. eleven that the root word for that means to melt faint to melt away to discourage mm-hmm. um, outline of the biblical uses has is to to waste away. So the, these taskmasters mas- are wasting away the people. Wow. So the, so the, the, they appointed wasting awayers? Yeah. So, you know, then, then my immediate question is who's wasting away? Right, because you become what you do. Right? Yeah. I mean, in their oppression, it's Cain. Yeah. It's, it, right, it's, it's, it's what happens when, when sin moves from crouching at your door yeah. to... Well, when, this is one of the big things that I've begun to see in Exodus in the last several years is that... Um, If you are oppressing other people, you yourself are being oppressed as well. Mm. You just don't see it. Or most likely you don't see it. Yeah. No. And um I see that in this in this word, they're they're tasked with oppressing the people, but in doing so, they're also oppressing themselves. Right. Because you can't yeah. you can't live 
a life of full and meaningful <clears throat> if you are oppressing others. Like that's just as oppressive to you, whether you see it or not. You are damaging your soul. You are wasting away if you are actively oppressing other people. Right. And it has the opposite impact. I mean, right yeah, here, more. well, yeah. the goal is to control, contain, yeah. dominate, and they increase and spread further. <laughs> right. Right. doesn't work at all. I've been, I've been thinking about this a little bit, how like in, like what does it take to move us from unaware? What does it take to move us from being unaware into awareness? Mm-hmm. But then the movement from unaware to aware also has another step after it that's a participation in that which you've you've woken up to. Yeah. And and then what does it what does it mean to live faithfully awake? And it's a unique question in our context because you know neighbor is the person you can see or the person next to you mm-hmm. but when you live in a digital world everything is next to you yeah there's nothing and so there's a lot about life right now that we our souls haven't caught up to our technology like the compassion fatigue thing that 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 begins to exist where you're just like what what can i do what and then you get really big and you think that you have to speak to the world and like nobody can speak to the world. The world can't be spoken to. I mean, the, you can proclaim a, th- right? You can proclaim a thing, but you can, but heart speaks to heart. Right. And it's, <clears throat> you just, you watch this happen. And my question is, what is a faithful person, a faithful human? Because again, they're all Egyptians in this moment. Yeah. And so, so I'm imagining What's the word for the 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 taskmasters? The what did you call them? The uh, it's ma, masam masam. Hmm. And the root is mas masa. And the and it's the the melt. What was it? It was the melting. Melt. Yeah. So these people that are, I mean, that are doing this. What were their options? You get a call from Pharaoh. He's like, hey. Daniel, I need some, I need some energy here. We've got these threats to our, to our, our shared life together, our prosperity, and what we really need to do is is make sure that they don't, they don't, they don't ruin us. They don't ruin this. Yeah. So I need you to go do these things, and and by the way, this is like with what's going on uh, with Israel, Gaza, Palestine, like the whole thing. My like the most. The most effect thing that I'm doing that that feels and um, I have conversations, but I'm been praying that the Holy Spirit would speak gently to the people of violence mm-hmm. 
in the moment uh, on every part of it. Like, right, like yeah. the, those who've picked up the sword. My, the one thing is just praying that there would be hesitation, there would be a laying down of, there'd be a conviction. Because I can't do, right, like I can't. But what would it, like, so what would it mean to say no to Pharaoh? What would it mean to say I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be a, a, a melter I'm not going to be a conscription officer I'm not going to be someone who oppresses others Yeah So now we're stepping into and I don't know that I want to use the word martyrdom <laughs> But what we what we are we're stepping into a death we're stepping yeah. into you're saying you're you're saying this is all dead to me Right cuz cuz Pharaoh's not going to have room for you getting in the way of his program Right this is why those the, the change in these kind of situations is so difficult because even people who are like, I see how all this that's happening is wrong and I don't agree with it, right. but I have to feed my family right. and I have to, and I want to keep my kids safe and I don't want to die and I don't want to lose everything I've worked so hard for. So I'm just going to keep my head down and keep doing my job and, I'll show more kindness to the right. other than I'm supposed to or expected to, but I don't really know how to actually stand up against Pharaoh because right. Pharaoh's really big and powerful, and standing up to Pharaoh actually, you know, am, am I willing to risk what I do have? And I, it's a complicated question. And on the surface, you're like, well, of course you should risk everything to do the right moral thing. And on the surface, most of us can say that, but when it actually comes to doing it, it's a lot harder. Yeah. And history shows that. Right. I mean, in countless ways. Yeah. Countless examples throughout history and currently that we could we could go to. Yeah. I love that you said you were Pharaoh's daughter. Because I know we're not talking about her, but what can we do? Like, Pharaoh's daughter did the, did the good. She saved a life. Yeah. That showed up at her doorstep. Right. She didn't, she, right, like oftentimes we think we have to um, leave where we live to participate and there is a leaving, right? There is a leaving that has to happen. But that's, but, but what we really have to leave is deathly ways of living. Right. And that's what she does. And I love how impotent Pharaoh is against his, his daughter, whoever, whoever she is to the Pharaoh, right? right? Because there's, like, she doesn't care. And he's not that powerful. Yeah, she... The thing that I think about her is that she has more power than, certainly than the children of Israel, and more power than a lot of people, yeah. but she's still a woman in a culture where women don't have power. But she right. is, so she yeah. she doesn't really have power. She's means. But she has, she's in a position where she can do something. Yeah. And she does it versus Pharaoh who does nothing. Pharaoh just orders people around. She gets her hands and like she picks up the baby. Right. She draws Moses from the water. Right. And she knows that, yeah, we, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. But yeah, 
Okay, there's one other thing, but okay. but but like okay. So when you're talking about waking up, when you're talking about waking up to these realities, when you're talking about what does it mean to faithfully respond to these things, when you're talking about well, when we're talking about the the, the complex things that all like surface up. Mm-hmm. The thing that's so clear is everybody had to leave. Like there's there's no. There's no version of staying in Egypt. It's an exodus. The whole thing is prepping everybody to leave. Yeah. Even Pharaoh. From the top to the bottom. Yeah. It's a leaving because, because this does not work. And where we see it not work is when we see Pharaoh forget Joseph. Yeah. That's where, that's where Egypt stops working. Now, maybe it wasn't working before or, you know, I, I don't, but the story seems to like talk about a T or a fork, a, you know, a, a, a fork in the road, right. a crossroads right. happens about verse eight. Well, and if we go back to Joseph, there's when Pharaoh and Joseph, and when they worked together, it brought life not only to Egypt, but to the surrounding communities. Like they literally saved the area right. from famine. I yep. mean, they didn't save the area from famine, but they saved the people from the famine right. who were living in the area. And it was because they worked together. Yeah. Because they saw one another, they partnered together and moved forward together that there was salvation for the people. Right. And now... When you choose to separate that and not choose to work together, choose to be against one another. Um, oh, this is I, this is the whole uh, Ishmael thing, and we're going to get to that story anyway here in a second. So, um, but the whole the donkey piece. Okay, I gotta I gotta set this up. So in the um, when the angel who's meeting with Hagar before she gives birth to Ishmael. Um, and convinces her to go back to Sarah and Abram, uh, he he gives her this little prophecy. Hang on, I'm scrolling back to get to it. Okay. Uh, You're scrolling I'm scrolling. Back. I'm actually flipping pages. I'm not actually scrolling. Hey. Um, he shall be a wild ass of a man, his hand against all, the hand of all against him. Yet in the presence of all his brothers he shall dwell. Um, so... We interpret this is for me the case in point of how we bring our own, uh, we bring history and our own opinions about things into the way we translate them and hear them. And it, Hagar herself hears this as a positive thing. It helps convince her to go back, and she even names that this is the God who heard me, <laughs> and so, and uh, right. and so, um, or no, the God of seeing, yeah. but but. Ishmael's name is God has heard me. So it's like there's this yeah. there's this combination of God has heard me and God has seen me that she she hears in this prophecy that seems so negative to us. Um, but the trick of it all is in this word against because in Hebrew that word against can also be translated as um, in. Yeah. So it could be his hand in all in the hand of all in him. So there's a way that. He, how we hold the situation, how we hold our relationship with the, the brother will dictate whether it's in 
and with or whether it's against. So there's this moment when we look at Joseph and Pharaoh at the end of Genesis where yeah. their hand is with one another and they're not even brothers. Right. But they're they're working together as though they're brothers because they're all a part of God's creation and they they want goodness mm-hmm. for the world and salvation for their people in the midst of famine. And now the hand is turning against. Oh. So there's a choice. Are you, is your hand going to be with the other, or is your hand going to be against the other? And I know that this, the Egypt is not Ishmael's descendants, so there's there's a difference there. But 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 I think what holds true is that Ishmael is Egyptian because they get Hagar from oh, Egypt. Well, yeah, you're right. He is part Egyptian. Yeah, yeah. And since we're already in Genesis 16. <laughs> You know where I'm going? No. Okay, so uh, in what Pharaoh asks them to do, the taskmasters... It's is... always fun when you go off track. <laughs> Why? Because I'm used to going off track, and you're, not... the, resp- you're the responsible one. I'm not going off track. This is, this is in hand with what is going on. So uh, <laughs> the gang captains are set over Israel... Yeah. The, well, they're not Israel yet, the children of Israel, yep. to afflict it with their burdens. So that word afflict, um, well, it has come yeah. up twice. And so it came up in Genesis 15 when God takes Abram out um, to show him the vision and shows him that this is going to happen, this thing that we're now seeing happening. So it's talking about that they'll be afflicted for 400 years in Egypt. Um, but the second time it's used is in Genesis 16. Mm. Uh, when Sarai afflicts Hagar. So this is, lest you think that one group of people is uh, immune to afflicting others, um, here we see the first time uh, someone in the Bible afflicts another person. It is Sarah afflicting Hagar. So it is the Hebrew woman afflicting the Egyptian woman. What I mean by pointing that out is no one is immune to this. And there's a way in which the Sarai and Hagar story here is about power and who has power because Sarah had the power. And like, I mean, if you want, you can go back and listen to, we did a mini series on Hagar and Sarah and this story. I think we spent what four weeks on it. So I don't need to rehash everything that we talked about, but there is a power dynamic that's happening in the story between Sarai and Hagar. And Sarai's choice when she loses power is to afflict Hagar. And now we see this this pharaoh that, honestly, his power isn't actually even being threatened, but he thinks it might be. And so he's going to preemptively afflict this whole group of people. When you're talking about no one group of people has the, a corner on the market on oppression, mm-hmm. right? Right. Sometimes, sometimes you have to flee the land, the promised land, the land of milk and honey, to the narrow place, because because the land of milk and honey is deadly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you flee. Right. Like it's, it's. It, God made all the people, all all in the image, and all are invited in, and no one has a corner on the market in any sense of it, either for doing good or for doing evil. We're all, right, we're all, and that functions on a macro level where every, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, whatever you want to call it, has the capacity, the invitation to participate in good or participate. 
there are days and moments when that God's looking for partners frustrates me. I wish sometimes just snap a f- right, like just say, "Let there be peace." <laughs> there was, but the but but the longing for letting there be peace is, will I step in, and you know, will I bring it? Right. And so, anyways, we have the you know, no one's got the corner on the market market of being just or being unjust, of being kind or being cruel, and. Um, and this is all, and the argument has always been going on that I have the right parents. And so, uh, I mean, I feel like I go here a lot. John 8, the, they answered him, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me. If God were your father, you would love me. Uh, it, there's this way in Jesus say, Who are my, who's my mother, my brother, my, fa- my, my brother and my, you know, my mother, and my sisters. They're the ones that do the will. They, they. Are blessed, right? And what's the will? Like, go back as far as you can go back to to work and care for creation, to be people, a people who bless all of the nations of the earth, to yeah. be priests who carry this good message that that God is good, yeah. God, and that's when we get off track. Yeah, it was you know, and well, we think we're better because we have the, a different mom and dad, or we were born in the right place, or right, but. I think there, there's ultimately this idea that Scripture points us to: that who is your brother? Everyone. Right. I mean, that's the, I think that's what Jesus. One of the things that Jesus makes kind of clear <laughs> is that everyone is your brother because we are all the children of God. Right. He doesn't limit it to one people group or. And kind of calls out that this was never supposed to be about just one people group. This, the one people group was supposed to, they were chosen in order to be a blessing to other nations, so that all, all could come to know God. Right. In this relationship, they were just the like the starting point. They were the. It was never meant to just be exclusively for them. So, who's your brother? Right. Any human. Yeah. All humans. Right. One of my favorite phrases that I've heard lately, and I keep hearing it by different people in different spaces, but it's, I can't tell you where, I can't tell you where the truth isn't, or I can't tell you where grace is not, or I can't tell you where God is, right? This Mm -hmm. admission that what we know is what we've tasted, (laughs) what we know is what we've seen. We can't speak to that which we haven't seen, which means I can't speak to where life isn't, I don't know. I just know that I have found this treasure, that I have found this well, right. that I have encountered the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, the God that it would appear Pharaoh says no to, the ones that, that Bithia or the, the daughter of Pharaoh says yes mm-hmm. to, right? Like I can, for me, but I can't tell you where God's not. I don't, I don't know what happened in the stories and in the cultures. And, and how dare I think that... I'm God, and what I see is everything. Yeah, it's and it's just fascinating how we for how we forget that, and how we're ungenerous to each other, mm-hmm. and we don't ask questions, we don't learn, and it's because we're well. It's because I'm when I'm in those modes, it's because I'm moving too quick, right? I got things to do, I got places to go, I got I don't have time for this. Yeah. And so may I, you know, may I ever be opening up to this God who loves and is doing all of these things, who has mansions and that I don't know about. Do we need to drill into 13 and 14 before we go on oh. to the midwives in 15? 
Well, I think maybe... I maybe yeah I think we can do that briefly okay um, I did want to touch on verse 12 briefly as well that um, as they afflicted Israel or the children of Israel it became many and birthed so did it burst forth so we get again that creation language of the land bursting forth yeah. the creation bursting forth so this it just drives home that point that it doesn't make a difference like they still keep doing what they are supposed to do they still keep thriving and the creation is bursting forth from them. Well, so then if you play with, you go back to, sorry, we'll keep going. No, that's, I'm done. Well, then if you go back to the idea that we're seeing Genesis, right? If we are seeing Genesis 1 play out over and over, we've got Pharaoh, but you've, but you've got like sort of the opposite or the anti-creation. Yeah. You've got how Pharaoh sees as a day one. You've got the separation that Pharaoh's yep. doing being day two. And then you know that phrase, they buried us, they forgot we were seeds? Mm-hmm. So here they are trying to barrow, bury the yeah. children of Israel, and they bear fruit. Yeah. They burst forth. So then there's a, you know, then there's a day three type thing. Yeah, that's um, that's happening here. That's fascinating. Yeah. When the it makes me think when the goodness of God is thriving in the midst of a people, or a person, or a thing, you can't stop it. Yeah. Like it's it's going to keep moving forward. Right. It's going to keep creating life and, and goodness. And the goodness of God is always moving forward. Yeah. We just don't see it sometimes cuz we think we're cuz we're the we're right we're not we're not in the fields, we're not in the gardens. Right. And so when we don't see it, we think it's a problem of God when it's our problem. Yeah. I uh what, what's the psalm? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. It's mm-hmm. Psalm 34. And it's one of the best things we can do when we can't find God is to go close to brokenheartedness. If it's in ourselves, if it's in the people around us, if it's, you know, whatever it is, if God's at work, our, our provision, what if our provision is insulating us from the life of God around us? You want to talk about the bricks real quick? I mean, you, you or do should it. we be done? You do it. You you talk about it. I'm that um, last bit just so the so the Egypt they Egypt made the children of Israel subservient with crushing labor. Um, so this like after the people still were bursting forth life, they they amped it up. Yeah. So now we've gone from affliction to like crushing labor. Um, and embittered their lives with hard servitude in loam and in bricks and with all kinds of servitude in the field and their service in which they made them subservient with crushing labor. So, Well, and that word, would you have, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor? Or, they embittered, yeah. So like strengthened is part of that word. Like, uh, like there's a hardening... Like, just you fools, you're making your problem. You're, you're creating, yeah. you're creating, perse- you're, you're creating perseverance. You're creating endurance. You're creating these, these elite spiritual athletes who are 
if they're going to find joy, if they're going to find contentment, they're going to do it like like Paul talks about in any circumstance. Because if they're going to have joy, it's not going to be from the pleasures of this world. It's going to be from an inner joy that's stronger than, that doesn't need those things, right? right? Yeah. Was there something with the bricks? Um. I don't know. There, the bricks get revisited. Yeah. Um, because they make it harder for them to make the bricks by taking away certain supplies and stuff. So, um, so maybe we can get in more into the bricks conversation at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we can. We can go backwards. We can. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's a good place to end for today. Yeah. And leaves us with room to focus in on the midwives next week. And I, I love how this hits with Advent because you have this idea of midwifing the birth, like the, the midwifing um, liberation and redemption and freedom and yeah. salvation, um, which is, I mean, right? You're just like, whew, these two things are, are walking hand in hand. And Advent, right, is a coming. Exodus is a leaving. But again, T.S. Eliot is just my favorite, and he talks about how like every end is a beginning, every beginning is an end. And there are these transitory places, yeah. moments and spaces where we're, we're longing, waiting, wanting, watching um, for, for Messiah yeah. to, to, come, to come again. And this is what they're longing, waiting, watching for. Right. Yeah. And just such a perfect. Yeah. 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 I'm just agreeing with you. It's it. I did. I hadn't thought that through, mm. but. Um, yeah, I mean, you're in the darkness of oppression and waiting for, waiting and trying to hope for something that you're not sure if it's coming. And that's that's supposed to be. The season of Advent. Right. Mm. Love it. Ah, so many good things. Okay. Toodles. <laughs> At some point I'll grow up. <laughs> Hasn't happened yet. Don't hold your breath. <laughs>